Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the future of the water and wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about. I'm your host, Dave Kosminski, and we are live in the studio with an old friend, Mr. Tom Kieser, okay, who is uh, works for uh, Snyder Civil Engineering, and uh, he is, I believe, uh, is that a draftsman now? Is that? Yes, as I have always been. <laughs> All right. How you doing, Tom? Thanks Good. for coming down. I appreciate it. So, you know, uh, tell me how you wound up uh, getting into the water industry. I know you have a, a storied career in, 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 in a variety of occupations, you know, all around drafting and, and so forth. So tell me where it all started. Oh, yeah. Well, I went to school to be a, a professional drafts person. Uh-huh. Um, Worked in the field, taught in the field, yeah, and uh, just by chance saw on LinkedIn that Snyder Civil was looking for CAD persons. Uh huh. So being a, I'll I'll say a little more seasoned person. Yeah. I wrote a cover letter and resume and mailed it in and uh -huh. promptly heard nothing. <laughs> Um, okay. About six months later, Donnie gives me a call, and mm -hmm. I know we were on the phone maybe an hour. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So now, prior to working, what uh, what what did you do? What, what did you do prior to to Donnie? Now? Prior to Snyder? Well, yeah. I worked in machine drafting. Okay. Uh, my my first job as a draftsman was at New Britain Machine. Okay. And I did. Tool design uh -huh. worked up into machine design. Okay. Um, from there, I kind of migrated over to civil. Okay. I was going to Hartford Tech at night. Okay. Um, studying civil engineering. Ah, okay. And uh, ended up at uh, a division of White Oak called National Eastern. Oh, okay. And they built bridges. Uh huh. Um, worked for them a number of years and wow things kind of got slow there so i ended up migrating uh into teaching and okay. I, I taught architectural mechanical drafting for five years after that okay um kind of have always been in a field related to my mm -hmm. trade uh-huh now you graduated from portland too correct no no i went to uh Vinyl Tech. Vinyl Tech. Okay. Yeah. Tom, pull the mic just in a, in a little bit towards. There you go. Okay, that's good. Okay. Um, so, what when when you went to Vinyl? Uh, I, I mean, I know they have uh, uh, trade choices there. What what trade did you? I know they give you a sampler tour when you get in there, don't you, or something? Yeah. Every every. I don't know how it is now, but back then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Back in the days of paper, yes. Um, every incoming student had to go through an exploratory program and, and sample all the different trades. Oh, okay, yeah. I knew what I wanted. Yeah. When I went there, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's kind of weird. As a kid, I would read the Hartford Current Home section. Yeah. And they always had plans in there. I remember those. Yep. I remember those. Yeah. And I would I would just sit there and study them and. And um, in junior high school, they did aptitude testing. Right, yeah. And I tested high for, you know, spatial thinking. Uh-huh. Um, it's about all the thinking I do. 
so I, I had in my mind that I, you know, wanted to go into architecture, be an architect, and, uh-huh. and um, it wasn't offered at vinyl at okay. the time. It was all machine-related drafting. Okay, um, but it's it's a language, you know. You learn sure. how to communicate through symbols and and in line work, and um, you know, it's, you can adapt it to different different fields. Sure. Now, what what technology did they have over there? Then was it CAD key or was it? There was not CAD back then. There was. <laughs> <laughs> We had a slate and chalk now. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, but when I we had uh, at, at Portland, we used to have the, the the drafting tables. You know. Yeah, it was all it was all board based paper, yep. vellum, mylar. Yeah. Um, you know, my first job, first couple jobs, all on on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Didn't see a computer until I don't know eighty two. Is that right? Wow. Wow. And now, what was the first piece of technology out there now? I mean, it's what's it, AutoCAD. Is that pretty much the, yeah, the standard now? So, when I was teaching, I, I taught at Porter and Chester Institute. Okay. And uh, Porter and Chester had developed their own CAD program. Oh, okay. Um, we were actually using flashcards to kind of wow. teach. You know, this is what CAD will be like in the future. Oh, okay. You know? And um, <laughs> while I was there, I think it was 1982, uh, Autodesk came out with version one of AutoCAD. Okay. Uh, so we we picked that up and ran with it because uh-huh. it was certainly less work than developing your own system sure. and programming. And, uh-huh. and so we we ran with AutoCAD. Um, I got sent away to AutoCAD school and became the first certified instructor. Oh, okay. In the state. Wow. Way back when, yeah. and it's so totally different now. I can imagine. I can, well, technology moves so quick. It's it's like wow, you know, you you blink your eyes and you know we're on the next version. You're on the next version, and you know it's it's just like, you know, Windows. We start you know <laughs> first started out with computers. It was like. Uh, DOS, and then we went to Windows ninety five, and then ninety eight, and then two thousand, and now you know you're you're up to Windows eleven. Now it's like crazy. So yeah, well back then we we're running um, IBM DOS, PC DOS, yeah, uh, CPM eighty six, and they were all on Victor nine thousand desktop computers, which okay. were they were good back then. Yeah, yeah, uh, but finicky you know if something broke you fixed it yourself yeah 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 and and of course the uh uh the processing chips nowhere near the speed that oh my god yeah (laughs) the graphics card was was as bigger than some desktops are today yeah it's it's true you know it's it's uh you know you kids today don't realize that you you have more more uh, technology in your in your back pocket on your phone than you know we had back in the oh, day in the definitely, computer. Yeah. It, it was crazy. It's crazy. So you know, transgressing into that and and, and getting into you know the the water industry. Um, I, I mean, what 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 software are you using now? Uh, as far we're using Autodesk products. We use uh, Civil 3D, which uh, 
works great, you know, with the infrastructure, um, some automated routines. You know, you lay out a water main and do automatic stationing, mm-hmm. generate profiles fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can get by without that, but it's, it, you know, it's nice to have that sure. power. Sure, you know. Now, w- do you uh, utilize any of the uh, the Yukon, uh, you know, uh, GIS mapping and so forth? That yes, overlay? We, we, we do. Um, so Snyder's had several different GPS collection devices. Um, you know, we had uh, Trimble Geo7X, yeah, yeah. Uh, TDC650, which yeah. is, is newer to us. We just started using those. Um, our two units, um, so the, the TDC 650 we're using is really nice. Um, we were talking with the client this morning. I got all excited at how, how easy it is to use, you know, you get live data right on, on, yeah. the, on your monitor. Yeah. Yeah. A couple clicks, you can download all the information and import it right into your CAD program and your, your all, the, all the points are there. It's just connect the dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, you know, I with my town tech program at the at the high school years ago, we had we bought a, a tremble and uh, I had my students. We went out and basically GPSed all the critical infrastructure in the town. You know, from the standpoint of uh, you know catch basins, manholes, valves, um, and so forth, and that uh, hydrants. And, and all of that, and that we, we still use that today. You know, as far as that goes, the nice thing about our trumpet unit, you, know, you could take a uh, when you when you locate it, then you can take a picture of it and insert that. You know, in in the uh, right in the GIS map, as far as that. So it was, it was pretty cool. But uh, and, and then we actually digitized uh, uh, 169, uh, uh, yeah, 169 uh, uh, mylars for the town with a puck on a. <laughs> On a digitizing tablet, that was all. That was all fun and games, yeah. you know. As far as that, but yeah, that's great. So, so the projects that you're working on pretty pretty much now are, you know, basically uh, um, pipeline projects, pump houses, or how's that? Yeah, well, the company does pipeline, pump houses, processing. Um, my role is primarily records. You know, I manage our records department. Okay collection of all the data, uh-huh. interpreting it, putting it into a, a records drawing. Okay. Uh, some people say as built. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, you know, getting all that documentation, making sure it's in order, and, you know, our different clients have different requirements as to okay. what they like to see. Yeah. Um, so it's myself and I have two other people that work with me uh-huh. doing the records and you know, it's busy. Well, you know, like I say, I think you guys have done, you know, broken into the, you know, the the, the water industry. And as I could tell my students, you know, the careers, and that's one of the, the reasons why I launched this podcast is that, uh, you know, a lot of times, and I was I was talking with Downey earlier today, and it's just, you know, all of the guests, I think we're up to like 65 podcasts and, you know, over 75% of the people that, that, that I interview um, got into the water industry by accident. You know, it's not something they, okay, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of high school and going to, I'm, I want to be a water operator. I want to be this. And, you know, it's, it's, 
the, the, these are the careers you don't know about. The umbrella in the water industry is just, yeah. just so large, yeah. you know. And uh, to go from, you know, being a draftsman to, you know, equipment operator to a, uh, you know, customer service or, or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a big industry. And, and the thing is, is that these, uh, these jobs that we're, we're trying to fill, I mean, you, you and I are, you know, close to the same age, but we're, we're getting on in years and it's time that uh, we're going to be sunsetting and, you know, moving on. So we got to start refilling the pipeline, so to speak, with some younger, uh, younger blood. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, um, I'll say a challenge at times trying to find people to come in. Yeah. Well, you know, that, and that's the thing, you know, people don't really, and, and the neat thing about it, this is a, an industry as far as both yours and, you know, I've been involved in the industry. I'm going to be retiring in, in January with, uh, 50 years of service with the town and you know it's who would you thought you'd be there that long and yeah. but you you accumulate a lot of um how should i say institutional knowledge so <laughs> to speak you know so there's there's a lot of knowledge base you know when you know i walk out the door you walk out the door that you know uh younger employees don't have that knowledge base i mean they have maybe a, a lot of the technical skills and so forth but to put those technical skills to work and uh, to utilize it in, you know, like I say, in that under that water uh, industry umbrella, it's uh, it's sometimes it takes a little bit of coaxing, you know, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me when I was twenty, what I would be doing, never would have guessed yeah. any, anything in the water industry. But it, it's pretty cool. I mean. You turn on your tap at home and, and get water, you take it for granted, but there, there's so much work and thought that goes into getting the water there. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's not necessarily, you know, having to be an engineer. Right. Um, you know, there, there's there's plant operators, there, there's administrative people. Sure. Number crunchers. I mean, yeah. I, I love working with spreadsheets and o trying to automate the process so that sure. we can work more efficiently. And, yeah, and that's the bottom you know. line. I mean, technology has is, uh, is, is moved um, so quickly within the industry. And automation, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, SCADA systems and, you know, all of that, uh, that type of uh, thing. Uh, you know, uh, last month, uh, yeah, middle of uh, July, I... I taught uh, a water boot camp for the Metropolitan District in Hartford, and we had uh, 11 high school students from their area towns, and uh, uh, it was it was uh, eye-opening for them because, and they were very engaged, they were very, uh, a great bunch of students, but to take them around to tour the, you know, various facilities that MDC runs as far as from a standpoint of wastewater, water, engineering, GIS, uh, customer service, I mean, they have vehicle maintenance up there. They have a whole fleet of industry, you know, as far as that goes, that, uh, you know, they, they have to maintain a meter shops and all that. And uh, it's, you know, a, a vast array of, of uh, potential occupations. And, you know, not all of them are you need college degrees for, you know. And not everybody's made to go to college. True. Know? And True. That, that's one, one of the things. So, you know, if you were to give some advice to a, to a to high school senior college freshman, what would you say? Tough question. <laughs> um, think. Yeah. You know, think outside the box. It's not just what you learn. There, there's so many opportunities in any career to 
you know, you could pick the straight and narrow, but there's so many branches out there, and it, it, it boils down to using your head and, and thinking about what you're going to do, yep. what you want to do, know where to look for answers, yep. or, or learn to know where to look for answers. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I tell all of my students, you know, from that goes, you know, never underestimate the power of networking because you never know who you're going to meet, who you're going to run into that, you know, that you may need or they may need you. Sure. You know, as yeah. far as that goes, you know, you can, oh, I know that guy or he knows me or so forth. And all of a sudden you get a phone call, hey, you remember me, you know. Uh, uh, and that, that that is so powerful because, uh, you know, networking is, uh, uh, you know, uh, grossly underestimated. You know, yeah, I have different trade shows, seminars, sure. workshops, all that is good. Yeah, to see it, see what's out there. And a the nice thing about this industry, too, is, is it's the type of thing that, um, you know, we can't outsource. You know, you can't outsource, over, you know, across the pond. I mean, you need operators, you know, uh, with boots on the ground to, to make things run and, and, and so forth. I mean, you guys, uh, I mean, you how, how many inspectors that you guys have? For, oh, or, gosh, I don't know. It's more every year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the magic. Uh, you know managing the different projects that you guys are. You know overseeing and so forth. Because you you guys are involved with you know most of the major water utilities. Yeah, we are. Connecticut Water, uh, Aquarion, MDC, regional, regional water. Middletown. Yeah, Middletown. Wow, and that uh, you know Middletown is still uh, you know again is similar to us. I mean they're they're, they're uh, the the types of water industry. Obviously, you've got the investor owns like Connecticut Water and Aquarion, but you've got the regionals. Uh, you know, or what they call quasi-publics, which are MDC and regional. And then you've got the small or, or smaller municipalities and so forth. And uh, it's, you know, every every, uh, every facet of, the, of each one of those has its own intricacies, mm-hmm. you know, as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, putting, you know, pipes in the ground and, you know, uh, building a distribution system, you know, to, to, you know, get that water to your house, not to mention, you know, making sure that water is, is uh, clean, safe drinking water. Okay, uh, it's, it's, it's an endeavor, and there's a lot that goes on behind it, you know. There is. I mean, putting the pipe in the ground, from my, my end at our business, is documenting where things are. Sometimes, like, being a forensic scientist, you know, you, you get up, a stack of papers and records and notes and yeah. decipher and you know well i can remember when i first started and i worked for the water department all the way through high school all the way through college and you know there there was no such thing as cad or there was no such thing as gis i mean you wanted to know where your curb box was in the house. There was a little three by five card in a file cabinet yep. with, you know, measurements. Okay, it's you know twenty six feet out from the house, uh, six foot left of left side, and so you're you're lining up the house as far as that goes, and then you're, you're trying to find a uh, a curb box, and you know, uh, what size main is in the street? You know, is it uh, you know is it uh, asbestos cement? Is it cast iron? Is it galvanized? Um, you know, I. I you know, one of the biggest uh, initiatives now that, you know, uh, that's happening in the industry is obviously is the, uh, the lead and copper surface lines. You know, it's a big push on there, sure. uh, you know, identifying them and, you know, then you got to replace them. You know, the, the old lead goosenecks and, you know, fortunately, I mean, we don't have that many lead pipes per se from, you know, the, you know, the main to the, to the house, but we got, you know, 
quite a few lead goosenecks that are still on the ground, and those are considered lead service lines. So, you know. Now, how do you guys uh, uh, identify those? I mean, do you, you when, you, when you're uh, drafting with the plans, uh, you put, you know, the pipe material and all that? Yeah, typically we'd see that more in the service side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each client has their own variation of a, a you know, service line card, but that material gets not- noted uh-huh. on there, you know, size and yep. length material. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you finding more uh, uh, companies have, have migrated to SCADA systems and so forth, or um, do you, do, you do, do any designing on the, uh, uh, the SCADA interfaces at all? I, myself, I don't. I, I live and breathe in, in, the, in the afterlife end of a project. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, okay. I, I know our engineering group does more more of that yeah 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 well that's we, we're, we're just starting to go down that road in the town of portland we're just you know finally got a uh, a skate contractor that we're working with to you know automate system because you know you know if you, you have skate which is the supervisor control and data acquisition you know you know if you had an alarm you get a phone call you, you know you had to go in and find okay what the alarm is now with with the skate systems you can you know Somebody that has a laptop can dial in, find out what the problem is, and a lot of times you can fix it. You laptop know. or your smartphone. Yeah, exactly, you know, uh, from that standpoint. So, great. All right. Well, great, Tom. I appreciate you coming in. Um, so, get, getting to the – what do you like to do for fun? I know uh, I, I heard through a little birdie that you like uh, – you're, you're uh, a brewmaster. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've been brewing since 1996. Uh-huh. All right. Um, yep. Now, what, what's uh, what, what's the flavor du jour? You do you do IPAs? You do what? Uh, I I actually have a house list. Okay. Because I'll anyone that wants to, I'll teach how to brew. Okay. You know, it's such a fun hobby. Uh-huh. So I have a list of like thirty-five different flavors, if you will. Okay. Uh, nice. My personal favorite out of all the ones I've done is a vanilla porter. Ah, nice. Um, and then, of course, there's always local beer. Yeah, you know, which kind of takes the fun out of brewing your own. But it's certainly easier to walk down to the local brew pub and yeah, uh, here, uh, what's on draft? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. so you know, walk me through the the brewing process. What 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 does that entail? First of all, you need water. See, right? About a bang. Um, water, grain, uh-huh. hops, okay. and yeast. Okay. Now the mechanism that puts all of that stuff together, you know. So uh, the process would involve coming up with your grain bill. Yep. Um, grinding it, then you mash it. So you're, you're taking ground up grains and soaking them in a hot water. It's heated to a certain temperature. Okay. For a certain length of time, uh-huh. you extract or convert the starches to sugar. Okay. You draw that water off, boil it, we'll say for an hour, it's typical. Yeah. And then you add hops in various amounts okay. and at various times um, to impart different flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, they also act as a preservative. Okay. And then... Um, Cool that down rapidly. Add the yeast, yep. and, and you know there's 
scores of different types. Okay. And each one will impart different characteristics. Some are appropriate to IPAs. Some are, you know, better designed for sour beers. Okay. Uh, it all depends on what you're making. Nice. Um, so you have the yeast, and then it's got to age. Um, typically, we'll say a week to two weeks. Okay. Um, y- you can lager it, which is just cold storage, um, and then bottle or keg. Okay. So typical brew day is about six to eight hours. Okay. Um, then the hard part, waiting. Oh, okay. Um, then you either, <coughs> you can rack it off and let it settle out more to clarify or bottle or keg. Um, and that's a few hours of doing that. And, and but it, it could be a month, you know, before you can drink it. And don't forget the quality control. Yes, there is sampling. <laughs> now, typically, what do you start? What do you normally do for quantities when you brew a batch? I typically do five gallons at a time. I can do up to fifteen. Okay. Um, but I bottle exclusively. I don't. I don't keg beer. Okay. Um, so if you have fifteen gallons to bottle, it's it's a long day. Yeah. Now, do you brew every week, or do you, what's... uh, Not anymore. Uh, I was, uh, at my peak, I was brewing um, every two weeks. Okay. I would brew the next week. I would bottle, brew, bottle. Okay. Um, But then you don't have much of a life outside outside of that, you know, and then... The, the, the wife and kids, it, yeah. you know, it, it gets harder. Now, now, does Beth take part in this at all? Um, <laughs> Beth likes beer. Yeah. She she will tell you that. Okay. She does not like my beer. <laughs> I, I think I've only coerced her once into trying it. Uh-huh. And it's because it it, it is a little odiferous. Okay. Uh, as, you're, as you're brewing and, and when you add the hops. And I did have an accident in the house one time with the stove and my pot boiled over Ruh, and, yeah yeah it was a mess it stunk and i it took a while for that to dissipate yes yeah so she remembers that yeah yeah that one time out of uh, how many how many years since 96 but, yeah wow you know, unbelievable yeah. uh, okay all right well as you know uh I'm into music, so uh, what, what, what's, your, what's your favorite genre of music? Do you have any favorite bands? Yes. Um, I would say Pink Floyd. Okay, yeah. Number one. Yeah. Deep Purple, I've always been a fan of. Okay. Um, any kind of blues. Okay, you know, nice. B.B. King, Stevie Ray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those are we uh, typically ask. Okay, what what what's your de- desert island albums? Okay, if you got stuck on a desert island, what albums would you keep with you, and so forth? But that that answers that. Yeah. So yeah. fantastic. Okay, the next thing is your de- desert island food. What would be your desert island food that you could eat every day? A Led Zeppelin dog. <laughs> nice. Okay, a Led Zeppelin dog. That's I've, I've never. Black dog, cooked till it's charred. 
There you go. Okay. Well, that's now we know what a Led Zeppelin dog <laughs> is. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So uh, the the last the last thing um, you know from a standpoint, uh, do you remember your first concert you went to? I do. Okay. And what was it? It was Deep Purple. Okay. At Dillon Stadium. Hey, hey, hey. And the opening bands were Aerosmith, ooh, and Elf. Wow, which was interesting because Elf then became Rainbow with Richie Blackmore. Okay, yep. Wow, wow. You know, I've we've had many people on the podcast that have have frequented Dillon Stadium. I mean, you know, Led Zeppelin played there. I mean, the Stones played there. You know, it was. Uh, they had quite an array of, of, of talent that, that went through Hartford. Oh, yeah. At one time. It was great. You know, fantastic. So that, that's great. Yeah, Dillon Stadium and then Stage West or the Agora. Yeah, the Agora. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can remember that. I played there a few times. You know, that's crazy. But anyway, but the case. All right. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for, for stopping down and giving us a little insight of uh, what your day job was at and how you got into the water industry. So Thank you for having me. All righty. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Kieser was in the house this afternoon. Okay. Uh, Tom is uh, working for Snyder Civil Engineering as, as a draftsman and uh, gave us a little insight of... Uh, how he uh, wound his way into the water industry. So, Tom, thank you so much, and uh, we will catch you next time.